hope you guys have been enjoying your past two weeks. Um, welcome back to Two Asian Vaginas. This is Nina Yu in New York. And Rachel Lee in San Francisco. So today we are talking about dreams, uh, not necessarily the dreams that you had last night, though those are probably important, but the dreams that you know you had as a child, um, whether or not you guys carry aspirations today or you've accomplished them. And as Rachel and I were talking, we found just a really great surprising twist in the midst of all of this. So we hope that you enjoy this episode and let us know your thoughts. Okay, uh, Rachel, the random question for you today is, and for myself, I guess, what are you wearing right now? I know that as a podcast listener, I'm sometimes curious as to at least what somebody looks like, but also what somebody is wearing. Um, <laughs> so if you want to go ahead and, and share. <laughs> yeah, so um, the time that we are recording this is about almost three o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. And so normally if I haven't been outside yet, I'll probably very well still be in my pajamas. <laughs> but uh, we actually did go outside this morning and I had to face civilization. And so I am decently clothed. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing a loose gray shirt um, that does gives me a lot of space so that I can eat things like brunch in the morning and still look okay and a pair of jeans. Um, You're not uncomfortable in jeans? I am actually, but I kind of ran out of time before we started recording. So I wanted to, I meant to change, but I didn't. So here I am wearing jeans. Um, but the thing that I did want to talk about that I am also wearing is this necklace, um, which I recently got for myself for my birthday because <laughs> I do that. Um, it's a necklace that's basically just like a chain, but it has a key on it. And a lot of people ask me, like, oh, is that your house key that you're wearing on your neck? It is not. Is um, it that large? <laughs> it's not. I mean, it looks like a, like a normal key. But mm -hmm. the point is that it's from a um, company called The Giving Keys. And you oh can look gosh. it up. Oh, my gosh. Do you know about it? My friends, yeah, they work for The Giving Keys. Oh, no way. Yeah. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh -huh. so – they're based in LA. I hope you're, are your friends in LA, the ones that yes. work there? Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. So they're based in LA and um, it's really cool because the whole concept is each of the keys have a word engraved on it and you can choose which word you want to have. And I chose the word brave. And the idea is that you wear this necklace until you um, meet someone who you feel like you want to kind of gift that, that word or that feeling um, to. So you kind of wear this and then you give it, you pass it on to someone is the whole idea. And the whole company um, behind the Giving Keys is actually a really, really cool organization too. Um, I think it started with this woman who wanted to um, just help people who needed jobs. Um, and so like, it's like a lot of homeless people that have started working here and have met spouses and partners and like gotten off, off gotten off on their feet. And um, it's like a whole company behind it now, which is really cool. Yeah, it's, yes, it's very cool. <laughs> I feel, I feel constantly that the world just gets smaller and smaller. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's absolutely amazing. And are you wearing your wedding ring? No, I'm not. <laughs> 
<laughs> I take off all my all of my like watch and like jewelry and rings um, as soon as I get in the door. That's the only way I can keep track of everything and not lose it. Yeah. Um, but this necklace just like sits on me, so I didn't take it off actually. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Are you wearing socks? No, but I really wish I was because my extremities are very cold. So I have tucked my feet under myself right now and I'm sitting in Indian position on my chair. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your sartorial and physical sacrifice for the sake of this podcast. Um, What about you? What are you wearing? Okay, I am. Let's see. You know, honestly, I didn't even think about mentioning accessories, but I'm so glad that you did. Um, I am wearing our university shirt, uh, cause it's super comfortable and I actually don't wear it at any other time than when I'm like inside the house or wandering around the neighborhood because I don't know, I feel that if I were to wear it at work, it would just present myself in such a way that I wouldn't want to be represented. And so, yeah, wearing my college shirt and then I'm wearing some tights because it's comfortable. I cannot wear jeans inside the house. Like, that's just not going to happen um, unless they're super stretchy and no longer feel like jeans. So might as well put on tights. And in terms of accessories, I am wearing um, I'm wearing two rings that I always wear. The accessories that I wear, I never take off um, unless it's my watch. And so I am wearing two rings that I always wear. Uh, one of them is like basically my uncle had like gifted me with uh, like money prior to my coming to New York. And I wanted to go ahead and put that money towards things that I could, I felt had a little bit more endurance than like food (laughs) (laughs) or something very temporary, like even clothes I feel are very temporary. And so, um, yeah, so, and I wanted to get something where like whenever I saw it, I would think either about him or think about just like value. And I know that sounds so deep because honestly, I don't think about that all the time. Every time I'm looking at like my rings or my necklace. Um, but that being said, I got a necklace and a ring for from that. And then the other one is something that I've had for a couple of years now. And it just was like a very simple gift. And I have kept it on because it has not rested and I actually cannot wear things that rust because they turn me green. So, <laughs> um, so I'm wearing that. What else? Uh, I'm wearing my glasses right now. Um, yeah, because I woke up from a nap and I had accidentally worn my contacts in that nap. And then when I woke up, my eyeballs felt so dry. So that was a mistake. But anyway, that's what I'm wearing. Um, we are going to uh, head into the topic of our conversation today. And it is on dreams. I think we can talk about dreams in several different veins. Like, what did you dream about last night? Or like another definition of it, which is just kind of like the ambitions that we had. And I think I'm I'm generally intrigued by that concept because it's similar to the goals conversation that we had in our first episode. It's, it's hard to really formulate for me. Um, and maybe it is like a means of self-preservation against disappointment. I am not sure, but maybe through the course of this conversation, we'll figure that out. But along this line of not being able to have those or 
or formulate them to a really strong degree. Um, I'm also finding myself at a time where I'm asking more frequently, like, why not? So for instance, like this podcast, I think creating it is definitely like something awesome and at, like we can just be up for doing. And it's kind of because a lot of things have become accessible to us in this day and age. So it's it's just a topic of like great, rich conversation, I feel. But if we were to follow this track of thinking about dreams as as the things that we wish to attain, um, what is your perspective on that, Rachel? Yeah, so um, I think, I don't know, there's a part of me when I think of dreams that feels kind of very fantastical and kind of like reach for the stars and um you know that really cheesy saying like reach for the stars and like if anything you'll fall back on the moon or something i'm totally picturing it i've never heard that one but that's actually that's not bad (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad that i could be the first one to tell you about that saying (laughs) thank you um i think i've never really been one to have a ton of dreams and if you ask me right now like you know what would it be like like what kind of dreams do you have five years from now ten years from now I've never really been one to kind of want to chart that out um why I think because I generally have kind of accepted that life is sort of you know there's a lot of things that we can't control and um there's like there's no real Uh, this is going to sound really maybe sad, but like there's not a lot that we can control in our life. And um, it's kind of fun and like a fun surprise to see where life takes you um, without having to like sort of chart it out too much, which is very odd for someone who is as type A and like plan, plan, plan as me to say, but it's kind of in the same vein for me as why I don't really like sci-fi and like, a lot of fantasy genre and stuff like that. It just doesn't resonate with me that much, which is kind of odd. That I find very bizarre because all this time or okay, before I like conclusively say that I find it bizarre, did you have dreams as a child? Uh what kind of dreams are we talking about here? Like <laughs> I <laughs> like I I dream to be a a teacher. You know what I mean? Like it's it's not it's not so much a goal when you're a child or maybe it is, I don't know. Uh, but when you were a child, did you have dreams or like ambitions? Yeah. Okay. Now I, now I get what you mean. Um, I did actually. And I, I was one of those people that kind of always like, I set my mind on something and that's the only thing that I wanted. So, um, when I was about eight, the memory is actually very clear in my mind because um, it was a very defining moment for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I was eight and my family and I were with our extended relatives and um, we were living on the East Coast and in Cape Cod, I think. And we were all staying at this house and my dad and I were um, watching the news by ourselves and um, we were watching the news and he just kind of suggested like, hey, why don't you um, like you should be an anchor woman. I think you would be a great anchor woman. Um, he must have known at the time that I love to talk and, um, and <laughs> what's changed just, girl. <laughs> yeah. What's changed. And so he knew me well. Um, he suggested this idea to me and it just clicked in my brain and it was like, yeah, I had no idea what an anchor woman was until this very moment. But now that you say it like, yeah, that is what I want to do. And somehow I like clung onto that idea and never let it go all throughout 
the rest of elementary school, middle school, and high school. Um, and so I kind of at that point decided that I wanted to be in journalism and broadcast journalism specifically. And so in high school, I did all kinds of like journalism e things. Mm-hmm. Um, I was on our school paper and all of that. But then it was very odd at the, at fast forward, and um, it was time to go to college. And I had a choice between choosing uh, between a public university and a private university. Um, and the private school had a really really great journalism program, and it was like my dream school. I got in, but it was basically like the circumstances were going to make it such that I would have to commute from home and um, mm-hmm. um, in order to afford to go to the school and I would have a ton of debt left over. And so uh, there was just the stronger part of me that decided that I wanted to have like the full college experience and not um, live at home and kind of grow. And so I decided to uh, go to Cal instead. And then oh, when bad I went to alternative, <laughs> mm-hmm. that one. And then when I went to Cal, um, the journalism program was just not really what I had in mind. And a lot of other things happened. And obviously, as a lot of you know, I am not a uh, broadcast journalist. Um, so that's like in my mind, perhaps if we were to do a deeper analysis, um, maybe why I don't really cling on to the dreams as much because the one dream that I did Mm. really have for quite an extended period of time in my life was not one that was fully realized in the way that I thought it was going to be. Um, so, and, but I mean, like there's ways, different ways that you can look at that. You can certainly look at it and be like, Oh, that's so sad. Like that's the only thing you wanted. And now you're not doing that. But at the same time, I kind of look at it. Like, I think when you are eight years old, you think that there's, one way to do things and that's the only way to accomplish it um looking back now um there's for me like even doing this podcast is a dream that is kind of a manifestation of that sort of right and Mm -hmm. when i was eight years old there was no concept of podcast there was no concept of being able to start your own radio station from your own living room Mm -hmm. and so i think i look back at that and think it's good to have dreams to propel you in a direction if that's something that you truly want but also being open-minded and flexible to realize that it doesn't have to look in one particular way but if you had essentially like finance was not a burden and a component of your decision would you have gone through with it or or have you ever let those thoughts kind of pass your mind Definitely, especially because in the first two years of school, I really, really did not enjoy being at Berkeley. Um, there were all kinds of thoughts of like, oh, I knew I should have gone to USC. Like, I knew I should have done this. I knew I should have done that. Yeah. But I think it hit me that there's no real point in reflecting in that way unless you really feel it to the t- point where you're actually going to do something about it. Like, if I really felt that, then I would have, you know, found scholarships or found, like, worked mm-hmm. several jobs yeah, yeah, yeah. in order to, like, make that reality a thing. Yeah. Um, so I don't really believe that unless you are so propelled to or so compelled to actually do something about it. There's no real point to, like, sit there and complain and wonder what if. Hmm. Yeah. There's a lot to think about here. (laughs) (laughs) What about you in terms of like childhood aspirations or dreams? What did you kind of have one particular thing that you wanted or was it more general? I did actually. Um, When I was younger, I had a huge, huge interest in fashion. Like this was not just a lot of times when I would go to Barnes and Noble, 
that still exists, right? There's <laughs> Borders is what does not exist anymore. Barnes and Noble still does. But I would, whenever I would go to the bookstore, I would go ahead and just grab every fashion-oriented magazine, but avoiding sort of like Marie Claire and Teen Vogue. That was, I would go straight to like Women's Wear Daily and not just American Vogue, but like Vogue Italy and Vogue Paris and things like that. And look at the ads and the way that fashion was portrayed and also look at runway shows when style.com was still in existence. Like that was kind of probably the peak of my interest. And that was also maybe in, I want to say, yeah, it was definitely in high school. And so I don't think that I, this dream didn't start when I was four years old or something. And, and nor was I a prodigy in any respect towards like fashion. But I always had an interest in it. And then my interest kind of grew a stronger in high school um, with the advent of like websites like style.com where we had access to really great runway shows and things like that. And where the common like person, myself, would be able to just see those things. And this is also when like blogs were kind of starting to blossom a little bit more and street style was huge. Mm-hmm. And so... Or becoming huge, I guess. And anyway, so long, like I, I have this huge interest, whatever. And I go ahead and I attend um, like an art school thing. And I went and and it was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Things felt really natural in that kind of setting. Mm-hmm. And I had actually had a conversation with my mom and the like counselor advisor who would go ahead and help construct your portfolio and apply to like Parsons and um, like schools abroad and things like that. But by this time in college, it was, I mean, college, whoa, <laughs> I'm old <laughs> to be thinking like that. Um, but by this time in high school, what happened was, was basically I was, it was my junior year in high school. And by that time you're already preparing to apply to like universities mm-hmm. and it was late in the game for me to go ahead and construct a portfolio for art schools. Um, There was time, but so limited. Mm -hmm. And it would have required a massive shift in how I spent my time. A lot of my time was allocated towards essentially like I was in every extracurricular you could imagine. I was doing every AP you could imagine. And my schedule was just a lot in like sports and things like that. And so my schedule was not necessarily pivoted for like an art school applicant Mm. and and so we were talking and basically he he was saying you have the gpa to easily like get in you just need to make your portfolio and at that point my mom had essentially said you know fashion design can be a hobby but it's such a cutthroat industry and it really i mean it is um and i think that time as time has elapsed like more and more so we are defining fashion and its industry in so many different ways and so you know it's true it was true back then it's true now um but at the time she was like why would you essentially like the question boiled down to why would you want to waste all that you've accomplished for something that could provide so much larger risk and and i didn't have a clear-cut answer Um, And I didn't have clear cut outcomes for her to present. And it was just like this very, I feel, traditional Asian, like ambushed hole that I found myself in. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Ambush of guilt. Yeah. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. And I think guilt more so. And also just kind of like, to be honest, I didn't 
consider my academic accomplishments or like the things that I was doing in school to be of immense value to me, but of safety. And, and so I like kind of went away from that. But the funny thing is, is so I applied to like universities and whatever. And, you know, like I, we were both able to attend a great university. Um, and there's such an amazing privilege in that. But after I had had that conversation and, you know, life just continued to like happen. And about a year later, like in my senior year of high school, the teacher who the person who had been the instructor of the specific course that I was taking happened to be the sister of somebody I knew. And um, so one day, like he he's also he was part of my year in school and he was like, oh, you know, are, did you apply to any art schools? And I was like, what? How do you even know about this? And et cetera. And he was like oh, when my sister had taught the class, she had said that you had a really unique perspective and like that what you had to offer was really cool. And in that moment, I just totally realized how important and maybe how influential encouragement really is mm-hmm. because I wonder what kind of route I would have walked on instead if I had received that kind of acknowledgement earlier. Yeah. It was from somebody who actually had substance within like the industry. She herself was like on this route, et cetera, et cetera. And so, yeah, that really, I think that changed me um, in how I thought. I mean, clearly I am not in fashion. I, <laughs> I'm i just not right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it hasn't shaken away that interest, but, but I've also had new dreams come up instead as I've grown older and also just been open to like the landscape that we're surrounded by, which is so diverse. Like we went, we went to university that really encouraged diversity. And I like, we both live in cities that do the same too. So yeah, that was my childhood dream. And I think that similar for how that has shaped the way that you create dreams now or don't is also very much in tune with, with the reasons why sometimes I'll be a little bit more fearful to dream. Mm. Um, And I feel much more like I, I'm continually starting over. But yeah, that was really, wow. That was a long story, Rachel. <laughs> no, that was really cool to hear. And um. <laughs> I think you hit on something really important there, um, like how different would our dreams and our trajectories have been had we received that kind of encouragement or, you know, and it yeah. kind of makes you sort of stop and think like the little things that we think of to say to someone, mm-hmm. it could actually have a huge impact on someone's life. And, um, like what kind of power do we have in order to be able to speak that truth when essentially it's someone being able to say that they see something in you that you might not be able to see in yourself. And that has a huge impact. And like, what would it have been like if someone had told me, I don't know, like, yes, you can pursue this even while being at a university where it's not going to afford you the kind of experience that you thought you would have wanted from school, um, or this is how you can seek that out, you know, outside of um, your day to day as a student. Yeah. It's really interesting to think about that and how that would have changed or shaped the, the route that we took from there. I know, it's really incredible. But I think at the same time, to kind of hit that nerve of saying you know even this podcast is a way of of being a broadcaster in some regard where you have a lot of creative control and you have a lot of um, power in the decision making process it's like i wonder if your dreams can actually like be fulfilled now Mm -hmm. in part because we're just older yeah 
um, and another part of it being the unexpected, which is what you started to mention. It's kind of like how people could have never imagined like the microwave and then somebody events the microwave and all of a sudden you could have food in like 30 seconds. (laughs) It's like we can do all of these things now that we hadn't imagined before and accomplish our dreams in a way that's maybe not as um, strictly constrained as what we had when we were children, which is like weird to say, right? Because as children, you kind of think anything is possible and you don't know what is impossible. Right. Um, Seems like things you can just kind of grab onto better. Am I wrong? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I don't think it's totally inaccurate to say I don't have any dreams at all. Yeah. Um, after we started kind of brainstorming for this episode, I sort of tried to think a little bit more like, oh, what are the things that I would absolutely love to see come true or come into fruition and happen? And I think that's, um, I think I just take a little bit more care into like what I allow myself to think about and daydream about. Um, but I will confess one dream that I like, if this happened to me, it would be so, so cool. And I would love to like, just take advantage of it. It's something actually a question that I have been asking random people when I get to meet them and get to know them is, um, I would love to be, I would love to speak at a Ted talk. Ideally the, the main Ted conference at some point in my life, meaning it's, you've seen TED Talks, right? You yes. Know? Yeah. <laughs> Where it's like a 20 minute session and you get to go up there and just basically talk about something that you've mastered that is like worthy of sharing with people and being recorded and watched on YouTube. Um, if I could have that kind of an opportunity at some point in my life, I think that would be really, really cool. Can you sign up for it? I don't think that's something you sign up for. I think it's like you have to get invited really? <laughs> to talk about this. Are you sure? I don't know. I think so because you have to have something worthy of sharing. And I feel like there's a committee that basically meets and says, this is someone that we're interested in that, you know, like has something to share with the rest of the world. Okay. So if that's kind of a dream, do you have... I don't mean to go ahead and put this into like steps, but at the same time, like every dream needs to have a sense of like, if you want to attain them and for them to become reality, then you have to have some realistic steps, you know, like what would you want to talk about? Yeah. So that's the other part and parcel of of this dream that I have is I think the part that's really half of it that's really intriguing is being able to master something or being able to become an expert enough in something, Hmm. um, that I have something to share with the rest of the world, I think is something that also appeals to me. So being able to discover something like that and become a master of it and then be in a position to be able to go up on a stage and animatedly talk about it for 20 minutes with the rest of the world and bring value in that sense is something that is really intriguing to me. I think this is totally possible. This is not... because. Sometimes the things that I see within TED Talks too are not necessarily that people have mastered something, but they just have a voice and TED Talks allow for that voice to become amplified. Mm -hmm. And so there's like the, what's the guy who does Humans of New York? His name is like Daniel David something with a D. I don't know. I heard him speak actually. Yeah. Um, The name is escaping me. Let's see if Google will help. But he didn't, he hasn't mastered that's okay. It sounds like insulting to say he hasn't mastered anything, <laughs> but what's most important is what he has like contributed yeah. with things that are readily available to him, you know? 
mm-hmm. he took upon himself like a camera and Instagram, and it kind of just really grew because of of the voice that he wanted to give to our larger community. Yeah, Brandon Stanton. Oh, that is not a D. <laughs> yeah, I think you were thinking of Daniel D. Lewis. <laughs> That's like, totally what? different person. No, Although I'm sure thinking- Daniel D. Lewis could method act Brandon Stanton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and to maybe not riff off um, the earlier thought of like encouragement and things like that. Clearly, throughout the course of like the ideation of this podcast, and then and then making it, and all of these things, like we have been able to find that there is a voice um, worth kind of sharing, I guess, in some way. So I expect to see you on the TED platform quite soon, <laughs> in your lifetime, at the very least. Thanks, Dina. <laughs> I really I'll let do. you know when I get there. <laughs> and also find out if it's seriously a committee that decides this. I mean, worthy of like being on the TED platform is also a very subjective thing. Um, and you're good with people, Rachel. <laughs> well, actually, that's a really good step, first step. And I wouldn't have thought of that had we not had this conversation. Um, but I think that is a good first like step in that direction is to see like what is the process of being selected or applying to TED. So I will take that as an action item. Yes, do. There's and I there's like all those different veins of TED Talk, you know, like there's like TED Talk for women and TED Talk for science and blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh very cool actually. <laughs> I'm gonna have a friend who is on the TED stage. That's legit. Wait and time out. How did that dream even come about? I'm just curious. The TED Talk one? Yeah. I think I just got kind of addicted to them. <laughs> Going down the rabbit hole of YouTube and watching one after another and finding really cool people um, who are really inspiring. And it's very nerve-wracking to go up. Like, I don't know. Have you ever seen what that room actually looks like from the stage perspective? In terms of the main conference, it's huge. And there's tons of people. And it's a lot of really distinguished people who come to attend and then obviously gets posted on the website and YouTube all over the place. And um, I think I just felt like, oh, it's really cool to look and like receive from all of these people who are speaking, but what would it be like to actually be up there and be in a place where you can share something cool with the rest of the world? So I think that's where it came from. Very nice. Yeah. It's good to know that you are dreaming once again. (laughs) (laughs) Would you also like to talk about what our next episode's on? Yeah. So um, episode six is going to be about the topic of money. Um, And I think we still want to creatively think about what aspects of money we want to talk about. But being that it is just such a huge topic, I thought it would be fun to kind of dive deep into what are the ways that we view money, maybe the ways that our upbringing has influenced the way that we see money coming from immigrant families and things like that, how we manage money. Um, You know, money is power, but how do we actually wield that power? Um, And how have we let money actually wield us in some sense? And, um, you know, working is such a big part of that and making an income is such a big part of that. So all different kind of facets of money that we want to dive into, which is hard to do sometimes when you only have 30 minutes, but we're going to tackle that in the next episode. So stay tuned. Absolutely, you guys. And thank you for joining us for episode five. We hope that, you know, you guys think about the dreams that you have either carried as a child or you've accomplished already, which is complete awesomeness. Um, or the elements that your childhood dreams have played into the things that you've accomplished today. But thank you for 
listening. Talk to us on Twitter or uh, rate us on iTunes, um, honestly, which hopefully would be five stars. I don't know. But anyway, thank you for joining nonetheless. Bye.